Let's pray together. God, we just uh, want to thank you, Lord, for letting us be here on a Wednesday night. God, I pray that as we go to your word, as we look at your word tonight, that you would clear our hearts, clear our minds, uh, so that we would be able to hear from your word. And God, I just, um, I'm asking you tonight, God, that you would uh, speak to us from your word and that your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us would, um, would convict us, that your Holy Spirit would move us to be able to live out what you call us to live out in your word, Father. We love you and we're thankful for this time of worship tonight. And we do all for you, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat right where you're at. It's good to see you guys today. And actually, I'm going to actually use this music stand tonight, okay? So, yeah, thank you. All right. It's great seeing you guys tonight. Man, so it's been an awesome two weeks. Two weeks ago, we were in here for the first night. We had a great time together. Uh, last week, we were outside. That was a lot of fun. In fact, um, did you guys enjoy being outside last week? Anybody like that? Yeah? I did too. I, in fact, I enjoyed it so much that, man, I'd love to do that again sometime. Just spend some time outside the way we did last week. I thought it was great. And... Um, and I enjoyed that today. But two weeks ago, I'm going to try to not walk off of this stage by accident, okay? Two weeks ago, we started this series called Jesus Banner. And we said that a banner is like this long strip of cloth or it's like this long sign that somebody can put somewhere or hold that proclaims something really significant or important. Like a banner is something that you want people to see that represents something. It represents who you are. And there are all kinds of different banners that go up. In fact, two weeks ago, I showed you a picture of a marching band and the front people in the marching band during a parade hold the, the little sign. They're not playing an instrument. There's only, okay, so like this last week, a very important uh, banner actually went up in a stadium in San Antonio, Texas. It was a banner of Manu, anybody know what I'm talking about already? Yeah, Manu Ginobili's jersey. His number was retired and they did this big ceremony for him. There was a bunch of people and after the game they had this ceremony where they had him out in the middle of the court. He, he retired. Um, then they retired his number and his, his number, his jersey and number are hanging from the rafters of the stadium now alongside every other great person that played for the San Antonio Spurs. And that is his banner. That is the banner that says Ginobili on the back that will forever seal his fate as one of the great players of the San Antonio Spurs. So there are a lot of different ways that a banner can be displayed, right? And so what we said though that last week was that the way that you live your life is a banner. The way that you live your life is a banner for people all around you to see. It's like this invisible banner that you carry around with you everywhere you go all the time. And your banner proclaims who you are as an individual. And everybody can see it all, all the time. It's like wearing something on your shirt that everybody can see all the time. When you live your life, the way you think, the way you live, the things you say, the things you do, the way you act, your heart, your attitude, your mind, everything, everything that you do is like this banner on display that says something about who you are. It tells people about who you love. It tells people about what is most important to you. Your life is like a banner that screams who you are. And so two weeks ago, we said that your speech is your banner. We said that the way you talk is a banner to people around you and, and what, the, what comes out of your mouth is reflective of what's in your heart. 
So like if you ever want to know what is inside somebody's heart, the way they think, the way they act, uh, their attitude, what is in, what's going on in their heart, just listen to the words that are coming out of the, their mouth. And we spend a lot of time talking about the words that come out of our mouth. If we have a lot of fear inside of our hearts, we lie. If we have a lot of anger inside of our hearts, that comes out as bitterness and hatred toward people. If we, um, are, uh, if we are lacking in confidence inside of our lives and our hearts, then, then it probably comes out like jealousy or gossip to people around us. That's a sign that we're not very confident inside. So there are a lot of things that come out of our hearts, our speech, um, that represent, reflect what is going on inside of our hearts. And so... We're going to keep talking about this banner stuff. But the one thing I want you to know, it's on the screen, is that when Jesus is our banner, that we will live a life of worship. So today we're going to talk about worship. The way you worship and who you worship really does, um, rep- is, really is a banner. It is a banner that you hold up. Your, ban- your, the, your life of worship is a banner for all to see. Now, the thing you need to know is this. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've never heard this before. I know that when you and I hear the word worship, that you and I think of some churchy kind of a thing, right? Like worship means church, right? And I just kind of want to like de-escalate the churchy word worship for a minute. And, and what we did here on the stage with the worship band, you know, we even say that's the worship band, right? And we sing on stage. That's worship. They, they sing and play and you and I sit out here and that's worship time, right? So but I just want to kind of like de kind of like construct. I'm going to deconstruct a little bit the idea that worship is like this formal churchy thing all the time. Now, definitely that is a part of it. We come to worship God when we come to church on a Wednesday or Sunday, we come together and we worship. That's a good thing. But worship really simply is this, okay? It's just real simple. I'm going to make it as simple as possible. It's uh, who you love the most. That's really simple, okay? Worship is who you love the most. Now, now for some of us, it might not be a who, okay? For some of us, worship might be what you love the most. So, So for some of us, it might be who you love the most. For others, it may be what you love the most, now, I want, I want you to know that when Jesus is our banner, like when our life reflects Jesus as this banner that we carry around, um, our worship will always point to him. Like who you love the most will point to Jesus. And that's a really special thing. Now, the first thing I want to say is this, is that God is definitely worthy of all of our worship. God is worthy. He is worthy of worship. Like he deserves your worship. So if I could kind of just say it backwards, there is nothing in this world that is more deserving of your worship um, than God. He deserves all of your worship. And in, what does worship mean again? That which you love the most. So you, feel, you just put your name in the blank, okay? Marcus loves blank the most. That's worship. And God should be the one that fills that blanket. Marcus loves God the most. He worships God more than anything. And I hope that you'd be able to put your name and fill your name in the blank. You know, in the Bible, there's this really cool story. It's the story of how we got the Ten Commandments in the Bible. You know, I can't, there's a long story. I'll just kind of summarize it real quick. Um, the, the Israelites were these people and they were in slavery for over 400 years. Can you imagine being born into slavery, dying in slavery? And there were some generations that lived in slavery. They never, never knew what it was like to be free. They never knew what it was like to be a, a people or a nation that was uh, not subject to the rule of somebody else. And so the Israelite people for over 400 years were slaves 
slavery. They were slaves to the Egyptians in Egypt. And God hears their cry and he rescues them. It's a crazy story. It's an epic story. Uh, actually more crazier and more interesting than any movie you could probably see. The story of the way God rescues the Israelites out of slavery. slavery. And can you imagine being slaves, your entire people, your entire race, your entire nation. Imagine being slaves for 400 years. So Jesus, God rescues them, sorry, God rescues them from slavery and then he gives them the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are, are God, is God telling them, this is how you live for me and this is how you live and you treat other people. Because they'd been for 400 years, a whole, more than a generation, they had, they had um, not known what it was like to be free, to worship freely, to, to make decisions freely. They'd been under uh, the rule of the Egyptians. So God gives them these 10 commandments so that they would know how to live a life that honors God outside of Egypt, okay? And so I love this verse. Though. We're not going to read all the 10 commandments. Today. We're going to actually just look at the first four today because I do believe they talk about worship and that's what we're talking about today. But on the screen, you'll see Exodus 20, verse 1. And I love this. This is what God says to them when, he gets, when he's about to give them the Ten Commandments. He says this to them. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. I love that. I love that. Let me tell you why. Okay. <clears throat> God shows up and he just announces why they should always worship him. Did you get that? Like, it's just such a simple verse. Like we may see that and just kind of be like, well, I guess God is just reminding us like maybe who he is, that it's, it's God that's talking to us, right? But no, 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 don't miss this. He's reminding them of the great things that he has done. He shows up, he says, I am the Lord, your God, and who am I? I'm the God who brought you out of slavery. Hey, you didn't get out of slavery by yourself. There was no political leader that got you out. I sent Moses to help accomplish what I wanted him to do, but I, God, am the one that brought you out of slavery, out of the Egypt, out of the uh, land of slavery. So God has this way of reminding people of who he is and what he's done. And it's a good thing too, because hear me out, okay? Listen to me, listen, 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 okay? If I were to just kind of sit down with you and say, what has God done for you? Or why should we worship God? What would you say to me? I hope you'd be able to come up with some good things. I, I hope you'd be able to say something Something good about why you should worship God. I, I, bad answers for worshiping God. Because my mom and dad make me come to church. Uh, you probably aren't worshiping God then. Uh, because that's the way I grew up. Um, no, that might not be a great way to worship God. You see, God shows up and he immediately just says, this is why I am fully deserving of all of your worship. Because I did something impossible for you. I brought you out of slavery. You were stuck as a slave. I went in, I freed all of your people, all of you, and I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of worship. So God has this way of reminding us. And see, when, when Jesus is our banner, when he's the banner that we have over our lives, you are able to speak and acknowledge the things that God has done. So like, hey, let me just tell you this. Watch this. Listen to me. If you're in seventh grade here, I, I bet if you're in seventh grade, this is maybe one of the hardest things for a middle schooler to do, okay? Okay, if I were to go up to you as a seventh grader and say, hey, you're in seventh grade, but hey, I really believe you can discover and answer this question that's good for you, good for all of us. But if I were to go up to you as a seventh grader and say, why do you worship? Why do you praise God? What would you say to me as a seventh grader? What does a seventh grader want Marcus to hear about why they worship God? Well, all you need to do is, is just think back on all of the crazy, amazing, powerful things that God has done throughout all of history. 
Now, I love this verse. It's in Psalm 75. It's just one verse. It's on the screen. It says this. It says, we praise you, God. In fact, the dude who wrote this says it twice, in case you didn't hear it the first time you were really sleepy right now. We praise you, God. And he says it again. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. Did you get the last part right there? Did you get that? Okay, so God is this God who does crazy, amazing, powerful things. And what happens as a result of God doing those things? People talk. People talk about it. Okay, you know, in our world today, people talk about a lot of bad things that happen. Okay, did you guys hear about the rapper that just got uh, shot? Um, was it this, this week? Tuesday, right? Rapper just got shot and then they did a vigil. And then during the vigil, there was like this like panic and people running away, right? It was chaos, right? This is, people talk about bad things that happen all the time. Just jump on Twitter. Look, just find something that, not, not right now, okay, but, but it's like, yes, I've been wanting to do this all night long. Let me get on Twitter right now. But check this out. You jump on Twitter sometime and look at what's trending, okay? Look at the things that are trending, okay? And, and what you're going to find trending are, are things that are just, they're just not good. They're just, I mean, bad news travels fast and people like talking about bad things that happen. Yeah, but I love this verse right here that we just read because it says this. It says, when people know what you've done, God, people are going to talk about the wonderful things that have happened. People are going to tell of your wonderful deeds. In fact, you and I really don't get this very, very well in our tradition, in our culture, because our culture today, our, our Western culture, is not really like this. But for these people back in the Bible times, the Israelites, um, their culture, their tradition very much was this oral culture that passed on stories to generation after generation after generation. So you would have grown up hearing your parents talk about what happened to their grandparents. Your parents would have told you every single year that your grandmama and granddaddy were in slavery to the Egyptians and God came in and through all of these plagues freed them. And then when they were about to get killed, he parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land. And then when the army came in behind them, God allowed the water to fall in on the army and drown all of the army that was coming in to kill them. And you would have heard that as a baby as an elementary school kid, although there was an elementary school back then, you would have heard that as a teenager, as a young adult, that you would have, every single, in fact, you would have heard something like that every single year. It was so important to talk about the powerful things that God had done that every single year the Jews celebrated this crazy event um, when they were freed from slavery, delivered from the Egyptians, and they, and, they would, and they have this festival every year to celebrate that, to remember that, to remember that. Does anybody know what that's called? Anybody? It's coming up soon. Anybody? Anybody? Anyway, come on, help me out here. Passover. It's called Passover. It's called Passover. So to this day, they celebrate Passover. And what are they celebrating? They're celebrating something great that God has done. So the tradition back then was, that was, was this. Generation to generation to generation, you were telling all of these stories, all these things that God had done so that you would never forget what God has done. Okay, so let, let's, let's just kind of back up a little bit. Let, let's say that you were a teenager back in the Bible times. Let's say that you were a teenager and several uh, generations ago, a hundred years ago, our people were in slavery. Okay, and you're a teenager back then. If somebody were to ask you, why do you worship God, the one true God? Why do you worship him? You would sit up and immediately say, because he rescued my people from 400 years of slavery. That's what he did. We worship him. Well, why else? And you would have been able to go on with story after story after story of what you heard people pass on to you, generation after generation, of all the great things that God has done. Now, can I just say this really quick? Just throw this out there. 
That's really different from today when you and I kind of sit back and somebody says, hey, why do you worship God? What great things has God done? And you guys sit back and you're like, man, I really got to think about this one real hard because I have no idea um, what God has done that's so great. Like what's so great about him anyway? That's a good question to ask and dig into because guess what? If Jesus is your banner, like he's the banner of your life, then you should be able to just jump and say at a moment's notice, this is how I know that God is great and why I want to worship him. Does that make sense? You guys track with me? Okay, all right, good. All right, so <clears throat> the question is this, what about you? What would you say? Um, another way to ask that question is, um, who do you worship and why do you worship? So God has done so many great things. He's done more than you or I could ever understand. And he definitely is worthy of our worship. Now, real quick here, in just a, a little bit of time, I wanna talk about four ways that we can live a life of worship. And, and the first four commandments of the 10, they talk about how we should relate to God. The last part, the last commandments talk about the way we should treat each other, right? Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat on your wife. Like those are the last commandments. They all relate, how do we relate to each other? But the first four talk about how we can relate to God. And I really believe that these first four really talk about how we can live a life that worships God, okay? All right, so we're gonna go through these really quick and then we're gonna be done. It's gonna be really fast, okay? Exodus 20 says this. God says, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he says this in verse three. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. So he says this, I'm God. I, I, I'm worthy of all of your worship. And because of that, he says, don't have any other gods besides me. No other God shall be before me. Okay. It's really significant for you and I to know, to hold on to that he says, no other God shall be uh, before him in any way at all. I'm sorry, let me get my notes in order here. They're a little bit out of order here. <clears throat> here we go. God says, I'm God. He says, all that I have done for you, who I am and all that I have done, uh-uh. I am not gonna place second to any other God in your life. That's what he says. He's like, I'm not gonna be even, I don't wanna even be close to second place in your life. He says, only me, one God, and it has to be me. And that should be the banner that we carry, that we don't have any other gods in our life, but the one true God. The second thing he says is this, he says, and this is the way we can worship God. He says, not only should there not be any other gods before me, he says, but there shouldn't be any other idols. He said, no idols before me. And an idol is something that is made by your hands. It's a man-made thing. Um, that you worship. In fact, this is, this is how serious God is about worshiping idols. Well, look what he says in verse four. Read this with me. Um, this is pretty intense. Watch this. He says, you shall not make for yourself an image in form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Casey's real specific. Anything from the sky, anything from the waters, anything from the earth, don't make it into an image and worship it as your God. He says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. He says, for I, the Lord your God, he says, I am a jealous God. Did you get that? God calls himself jealous. He says, I'm a jealous God. And look what else he says. This is intense. He says, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. He says, I'm jealous. I deserve your worship and only me. And I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous for your worship. And he said, because there's no one that's deserving of your worship but me. He says, I'm so jealous of your worship, for your worship, that those who hate me, he says, listen to this. God says, 
for those who hate me, he says, I will punish the sins of their parents from the third to the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, some of us may think like, man, God, he's so mean. Why would he do that? Well, it just, it goes to show how deserving God is of our worship, that he's not going to compete and he's serious about being worshiped. Okay. But look, look what else he says in verse six. He says, but I show love, showing love to a thousand generations. So some of us may say, wow, three or four generations of punishment. God, that's pretty intense. Wow. But he says, but I show love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Did you see that? He says, I'm jealous for your worship. For those who hate me and despise me, oh, they are going to experience consequence and wrath. But for those who love me, I will bless and pour out onto them uh, love and blessing for a thousand generations to come. Now, I have this really hard question. You guys are going to discuss it during your C group time. You know, God calls himself a jealous God. And I have to kind of just ask really quick, like, why? Um, why does God call himself a jealous God? Um, that's kind of interesting. And I like to think of God as he calls himself a jealous God. I like to think of it as, as this righteous kind of a jealousy that's founded in fact. Okay, listen to me, okay? If I'm jealous of you about something, it's not a very righteous, it's not a good kind of jealousy. Like, let's say you drive a nicer car than me and I'm like, oh, um, I really wish I had a car like that. What kind of jealousy would that be, okay? That I'm, I'm coveting what you have. I'm not satisfied with what I have. And I'm, I'm thinking that if I could just have your car and drive it, that I would be better, people would like me more, um, more, po- I, I don't know, all these crazy reasons. You get my point, right? Like that kind of jealousy is wrong and it's misplaced and it's bad, right? Okay, but the kind of jealousy that God has for your worship is rooted in facts. Okay, listen to this, okay? Um, here's what I mean. Uh, it is a fact that nobody deserves your worship like God deserves it, okay? It is not an opinion that God deserves your worship. It is factual that nobody or nothing will come close to deserving the kind of worship that God deserves. In fact, it is so factual that you and I can't even fully comprehend all of God's goodness. We just know he's good. We can't comprehend all of his greatness, but we know he's great. We can't comprehend all of the amazing, powerful things he's done, but we've been able to see and even witness the powerful things that he's done and know about them. So it is factual that nothing, no one or nobody um, in this world deserves worship but God. And so that means that when God says he's jealous of your worship, for your worship, uh, that he's a jealous God, it is rooted in the fact that you and I shouldn't re- misplace our worship. We shouldn't place our worship in something that doesn't deserve it. Um, the fact is that we should be putting our worship in the only one that deserves it. I'll be blunt with you, okay? There is no belief system or religious system in the world that deserves worship. The one true God, God deserves worship And it's rooted in the fact that no other gods or people or things deserve worship like God. That's what allows him to be a jealous kind of a God that deserves our worship. He says, no idols. Okay. Now, next thing he says is this. We can keep going. Two more and we're done. All right. He says this. He says, uh, number three, he says that we should treat God's name with respect and holiness. He says, you want to worship me? Treat my name with respect and holiness. He says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses my name. So the third thing he says is this, is when you use my name, when you, when you talk about me, he says, 
um, use my name in a correct way. He says, use my name as if it was a holy name. So you shouldn't be using my name to slander or to curse. And he says, in fact, be very careful to not curse my name because he says, my name is holy. And he says, and I will not hold anyone guiltless who uses my name in a wrong way. That's how serious. So when people hear you talk about God, how do they hear you talk about the name of God? Okay, listen, listen to me very carefully. This is kind of an intense message, okay? Your friends who slander the name of God, uh, God hears that. And he has something to say about that because his name is holy in every way. Now, number four, he says, take a day of rest each week to remember God. It's called the Sabbath, okay? He says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor a foreigner resting in your house. He says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And what he says is, you and I are supposed to keep a Sabbath day each week, every week, one day out of the week. He says, work the sixth, the seventh is the Sabbath. Now, I have to tell you that this one's the hardest for me. I like work, okay? I like work. And most Sundays, which is kind of like our Sabbath, right, today, um, it feels a lot more like work for me personally than it does a Sabbath. Now, here's what a Sabbath is. Sabbath is just a fancy way and a word for having a day of rest and not just to rest, but a day to spend thinking and focusing our hearts back on God, on who he is. And we're not supposed to just spend seven whole days going crazy with work. We're supposed to take a day to try to rest and recenter our hearts back on God. Now, some of us, you may, you're, you're young, you maybe don't feel like this, but some of us adults sometimes feel like this. We like to work because working is noble and there's a lot of reward for our work. And maybe you're like, oh, I never want to work in my life. Please don't, that's not me. It might be you one day, I hope it is. But here's the deal, okay? So we like to work. And so sometimes in our work, we find ourselves being very self-reliant and we think we're superhuman. We're like, I don't need to rest. I don't need to rest. I'm great. I don't need to rest. I don't need to rest. I don't want to rest. I don't want to rest. I don't need to rest. And God says, no, you need to rest. Maybe not because you're tired or sleepy or anything like that, but because on your day of rest, you refocus and center your heart back on me, back on me. And he says, I'm God. Do you think I need a rest? No. God, you don't get tired. He said, I know, but I rested on the seventh day. Why? So that he could be an example to us of what he wants us to do, to take a day each week of rest. Now, I'm saying all this and it kind of hurting and burning me up inside because I really need a day of rest right now. I need a Sabbath and I, and I need to take a day to rest and refocus my heart back on God. Now, that does not mean that you get to take a day off from homework, okay? You're gonna be like, oh, mom, today's Sunday. Marcus said I have to have a Sabbath, no homework, all right? Your mom was going to say, well, why didn't you do it on, on Friday or whatever, right? Okay, so that's not quite what this means. But what it does mean is that Sabbath, taking a day of rest to recenter our hearts back on who God is, is a way that we worship God um, because we get to stop work and say, God, I need you. Like, it's been a great week, but I need you. And I'm just going to take a day to acknowledge how much I need you today. You know, some people do Sabbath on a Saturday. Some people do Sabbath on a Sunday. Some people do Sabbath on a Monday. 
Tuesday to Friday? Eh, probably not, okay? But, but there are a lot of different ways or days that you can do a Sabbath. The point is simply that God says, take some time out of your week to rest and refocus all your heart back on me. So here's the deal. Listen, we're already done. Everybody worships. Everybody worships here. Every single person in here worships in some way. You're like, no, I don't worship. I do not worship. Well, you may not worship God, but you do definitely worship someone or something. And so here, I just want to kind of finish by saying this, is that who you worship is definitely this banner over your life. And if we just look at each other's lives, we might be able to say who we love the most, who we love the most. In fact, uh, Jesus says this, if you just follow the treasure trail of your heart, when you get to the end, you're going to find there what you love the most. And when you get to the end and find that, are you going to find me, Jesus, there? Or is it going to be something else? When Jesus is our banner, our lives are definitely marked by, by worship. It's just that we, so we just love God. And we're not afraid to say it. And we're not afraid to live like we love him. Like we love him more than anything in our lives anything in this world. So that's what worship looks like. You're gonna, you have some good questions to talk through in your C group time. And I'm going to pray and we're going to do a couple announcements and I'm going to let you get to C group time to talk about some of that stuff. All right, let's pray. God, I just want to thank you tonight for an opportunity to just talk about how, how great you are, God. And, and you freed, you freed the, the Israelites from slavery. And then you send your son to free us from, from being slaves to sin. So you are truly great, God. And Lord, we just ask that you would capture our hearts. For, forgive us, God, when all of uh, these other things in our hearts and minds that get our, the attention and our worship. And God, we just call us back to you to worship you. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I forgot something. I forgot something really important to say. I have to say it, otherwise I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight, okay? Are you guys listening? Okay. It's, uh, and it's an appendix from my, me- from my message, okay? Some of you guys are like, please stop talking already. Not even listening to you, okay? Hey, but if you're like in the first five, five rows or so, if you're listening to me here, okay, just check this out, okay? Watch this, okay? Because I'm not going to sleep unless I say it. Watch this, okay? So, Israelites, God gave them the Ten Commandments. He said, do this. When you do this, you are honoring me and honoring one another, okay? All right, so guess what? Guess what? Reality check. The Israelites were horrible at keeping the Ten Commandments. In fact, in the book of Judges, you see six cycles or six generations, kind of six cycles in just one book of the Bible, the book of Judges. Six cycles where they are keeping to the covenant and obeying God. And then they totally just leave God and worship all these other crazy things. They worship idols, they worship statues. They they just go crazy. And guess what? God brings judgment on them, just like severe and harsh judgment, and then sends a judge to come, and the judge brings them back to reality to love God and to worship him, and guess what? They do it again, and again, and again, and again, and in just one book of the Bible, judges, they do it six different times. In fact, you ladies here, there's this really cool judge, girl judge, her name is Deborah, okay, female judge in the Bible. So my point is just simply this, is throughout the entire Old Testament, Okay, it's the story of how they are horrible at keeping God's way and his, and his commands, okay? Now, um, here's, why, here's why I have to say this. I won't sleep at night if I don't say it, okay? I don't want you to leave here thinking, man, I gotta try really hard to keep the 10 commandments because guess what? You can't. You can't. You are bad at it. 
And the better you admit it, the better off you will be, okay? Listen, you cannot keep God's laws. You're horrible at it without Jesus, okay? Watch this. God gives the Ten Commands. He says, obey me, follow me. He gives them all the law in the book of Leviticus, okay? It was all to show them how bad they were at keeping it and how holy God was. And for generation after generation, they couldn't do it. And at the right time, God sends Jesus. And guess what Jesus does? Listen to me. He perfectly keeps every single law of God. So what the Israelites couldn't do, what you and I can't do, Jesus did perfectly. He did it perfectly so that you and I could be forgiven because we are horrible law keepers. Horrible. Your mom and dad probably sped on the way over here. Okay? I'm serious. Two miles over the speed limit, they're breaking the law. Okay? You guys are like, man, Marcus, you're so strict. Just seriously? I, I know I sped on the way over here. Okay? So that's me too. My point is simply this. The Israelites and you and I are horrible law keepers. And God, in his goodness, sends his son Jesus to die for the horrible law keepers that they could be forgiven because they can't keep the law. And so that they could have a new life that actually wants to keep God's ways. And not only that, but that they would find life in Jesus so they could actually obey and keep God's ways. So guess what? Here's how it works out at the end. Check this out. Some of you guys are like, oh, please, this is part two of the message. Yes, it is. Okay, so watch this. Any time that I am able to keep any of God's commands, it is because of Jesus in my life. Did you get that? Don't, don't think you're so awesome that you can keep his commands. Anytime you are able to keep one of God's commands, it is because of Christ in you. You wouldn't even desire to keep one of God's ways if it weren't for Christ. The Bible says we are enemies to God because of our sin. But Christ's righteousness Christ in you makes it possible to live out God's ways. So anytime we find ourselves being able to obey God, we should give thanks to God and say, God, just the very fact that I can obey you today is because you loved me enough to forgive me and save me. Because without you, I'm an Israelite lawbreaker. Not really, I'm actually pretty Mexican, but uh, you get what I'm saying. All right, cool. Um, I hope that piques your interest for more to come in the future. Um, I already prayed. That was part two. Um, hope you guys have some good conversation in your C groups. Got a couple announcements to make really quick. I'm going to let you guys go, okay? All right, so breathe easy. Here we go. Number one, um, I'm really excited that um, <clears throat> we are almost to the end of the school year, and that means that if you are a senior in high school, if you are a senior in high school, please do not leave today without coming to see me. I have a senior, le a senior letter for you with all sorts of stuff you need to fill out and get back to me and you have three weeks to do it, okay? Three weeks, all right? So I've already given it out to about 10, 15 of you. But if you're a senior here today, make sure you get that letter from me, okay? Don't leave today without that, all right? Okay, number two, okay? Guess what? You guys remember these little coin bank things? Yeah? Okay, a bunch of you forgot them. That's okay. It's okay. See, you can't even keep the law. March 31st first was, the, was the law, okay? And you guys didn't keep it, right? But listen, a bunch of you brought this back. If you didn't bring it back, don't feel embarrassed that you're late. Bring it back. It's okay, right? I promise you, you'll be okay. Okay. 
Now check this out. Watch this. So between all of the children and youth that brought back coin banks on Sunday, um, we collected in coins $1,900 in coins. Man, that's pretty good. I'm pretty surprised. And you guys thought your 100 little pennies in here weren't going to make a difference, all right? So those of you who brought coin banks back, thanks for doing that. Those of you who still have them out and want to bring it, uh, please feel free to bring it back and we'll get that. Those of you who have an empty coin bank at your house, okay, what a great way to be a part of this by like putting some coins in your empty coin bank and getting it back to us, okay? It's totally okay. No one will even know it's empty right now at your house, okay? All right, cool. All right, that's the first thing. Uh, second thing, so bring these things back, okay? Um, second thing is this, next thing is this, is if you um, are um, uh, doing a camp fundraiser, then you need to make sure that you get tickets back to us on April the 14th. If you haven't taken tickets yet for camp fundraiser and you want to do that, you need to do it like two weeks ago, I mean today, because you only have about two more weeks to sell, okay? Tickets are due back on April the 14th. Um, camp, we're giving out all sorts of camp information. Hopefully you got that card today, so uh, check out camp stuff, Camp Zephyr. Dates are um, out. Uh, we're going to camp in July this year. It's a big change from last year, and on and on and on, okay? So um, really quick, if I call out your name, you are allowed to register for camp because you either did the parking fundraiser or you've paid a deposit and you need to get registered ASAP, okay? So check this out really quick. Uh, Dibani, Brandon, Hannah Rojas, Hannah Sarah, Margo, Jasmine, Judith, Andrea, Daniel Wajardo, Isaac Wajardo, Matthew Rosadio, Brian uh, Rosadio, Caroline, Vivian, Emma V, Jack, Maya, Layeska G, um, Diego Cruz, uh, Andrea Sammons, Sophia Alvarez, Sam, Faith, um, Sam Alvarez, by the way, Faith, Christian Garza, Christian Rios, Lizbeth Cedillo, Josue Cedillo, all of you are ready to register today. If you want to register, come by. We'll give you the card that has the password that you need to register. Everybody else who hasn't signed up yet, when you turn in fundraiser money or your deposit, then you are allowed to register. We'll give you the password you need to get online and register, okay? So I got camp stuff coming up. Um, tickets are due the 14th. Make sure you get in the back. Now, one really sad announcement that I have to make today. I'm going to ask Jazz. Will you come up here, Jazz? Where are you? Oh, man, I'm so sad. Jazz, today is Jazz's last Wednesday with us. Makes me so sad. She is leaving the great state of Texas and moving to the, well, almost said great state, but to the state of Nebraska. All right, Nebraska. Y'all know where Nebraska is, right? Yeah? Okay, so Jazz, I got, a, I got a picture of the new place that you're moving to in Nebraska. Okay, I just want you to check this out here. Um, I, you can put this on your Facebook page, okay? I'm pretty sure, I think that's going to be your house back there, okay? Somewhere back there. Um, I'm pretty sure that dude will give you a ride to work every day if you need it, all right? Okay, so have fun in Nebraska. Ja I just, man, Jazz, oh, why do you have to go to Nebraska, okay? We're going to miss you so much. But I know, listen, honestly, students, I'm sad. You're sad. You're, you're very sad, I can tell. Um, listen to me. God really did open up some doors for you to go to get a job there. And so you're going to be working at a hospital there and uh, put your time and come back to Texas. But, but I really know that you were praying for a long time and God did open a door for you there. So you got to take it. And uh, we're really excited for you. And, uh, and I just want to say, I, I just want to, I'm so jealous of you because like I love storm chasing kind of TV shows and Reed Timmer is a guy I follow on Facebook. So I got another picture of you here of you and Reed Timmer together because that's pretty much all you're going to find in Nebraska is corn, um, corn Huskers football. 
and Reed Timmer chasing tornadoes, okay? So if you see Reed Timmer, tell him I said hi because he's super famous and uh, Discovery Channel guy and I like him a lot, okay? Anyway, but, uh, but we're going to miss you. Listen, here's what I want to say, Jazz. I just want to tell you thank you so much. Um, I want to tell you thank you for a few reasons. Number one, okay? Sermon part three, number one, okay? I want to thank you for being an amazing example to all of our young ladies here, okay? Not, in, not anyone and everyone can be uh, a young adult leader who can sit and do Bible study and lead discussion. And, uh, and you have been such an amazing example to our young ladies here of what it means to love God and to follow Jesus humbly and with all your heart. And I really want to thank you for that. And you're going to leave a big hole here. But I know that God is going to raise up um, young ladies after you that are gonna learn how to lead like you have led in the last uh, couple years here, okay? So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. You've poured in a lot of time here and we're always gonna remember um, the time that you've spent with us and, and through all that time you've spent here, um, you've become friends to so many people here, including a lot of the other young adult leaders. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. And, um, and we just love you very much, okay? And so um, uh, after church today, we want you to go out, just leave the church, go right out to the courtyard, the plaza right there, and we're gonna have cake set up. And so just get some cake, come talk to Jazz. And if you are in Jazz's uh, C group, then we wanna get a picture of you together with Jazz uh, for this special photo frame thing that we're doing for you, okay? And so we'll get a picture of you with your C group and, uh, and then the girls are gonna get a chance to sign it and, uh, and write something nice to you there, okay? We love you very much. And I just wanna do a special prayer for you really quick. Will you stand here in the middle? And I'm gonna ask your C group to come up. All you 11th and 12th grade girls that are here, uh, come on up to the front really quick. Um, and I know we're missing some of our 11th and 12th grade girls, but if you're in 11th and 12th grade, if you've been in Jazz's C group, um, then just come and sit here. Um, just come up to the front and, and let's just uh, take some time to, to pray for her really quick, okay? All right, let's pray for her. God, we just wanna thank you so much for Jazz. Thank you for her life. Thank you for the way that she has poured out, um, poured herself into students here at Calvary. Thank you for her example, for her love for you and how she has been willing to share her life with, uh, with people here. Uh, Lord, we just ask that in this move uh, to Nebraska, God, that you would uh, watch over her, keep her safe, guard her, her heart, her mind, and her life in every single way. Thank you, God, for providing for her and for opening up this job opportunity that she is taking. And we pray, God, that her time there would be um, meaningful, special. We know, God, that you don't just open up doors for a job, but that you open up doors for her to go um, love people and show them who Christ is there in the community that she's going to live in. And Lord, I pray that she would um, be um, a blessing to all that she comes, all the people she comes in contact with through her job, through the church that she's going to find, and that you would um, give her peace if there's any worry or fear about the, the way it's all going to work out. God, just uh, bring peace to her heart and to her mind in the days ahead. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so here's the deal, okay? After C group time, then just come outside and make sure you stick around, grab some cake and, um, and uh, spend some time with us out there, okay? All right, enjoy your C group time, okay? Now, it's been two weeks. Do you guys know where your C groups are meeting? Okay, find your C group leader and they'll help you um, do that, okay? <laughs>